Wrestling Federation for over 50 years. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Wrestling Review Central is here. We're going to be talking the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax uh, Night 1 that occurred very early in the morning here on the east coast of Canada, 3 a.m. to about 6.30. Uh, it was a very late night for me, but after taking a brief four-hour nap, I'm here and I'm going to run down the show, give you my thoughts, uh, read some thoughts from folks on Twitter, and discuss uh, the show overall. Uh, a great great professional wrestling show this is exactly why i love wrestling this show it's a prime example of it and uh if you watch it i'm sure i'm sure you would become a fan of new japan pro wrestling very very quickly what a great show I can't help but recommend it. But uh, before we get into my full recommendation, we're just going to start right at the start of the show and talk about that. Uh, so the show opened up with Satoshi Kojima, Hiroshi Tenzon, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger against Michael Elgin, Juice Robinson, and David Finley. A uh, typical New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, opening tag match. It was not bad at all. Uh, nothing exciting, but something that uh, it will give you a little hint about what's to come. So tomorrow, we're, or not tomorrow, but the next show, we're going to be seeing Kojima against Elgin. And I think, I think it's Kojima against Elgin. Uh, I'm not sure who Juice is going to be facing in it, but anyways, it could be Juice against uh, Kojima as well. But anyways, this was a great opening match, uh, and Liger, of course, got a lot of great offense in, uh, especially against David Finley. Uh, Finley was clearly the one in this match to eat the pin. I suppose Liger could have as well, or Tenzon, but they tend to keep those guys rather protected, and Finley is still a young boy, even though he's advanced to having his own gear. Uh, he he was there to eat the pin. Uh, Kojima nearly killed him with a lariat and took the pin. Uh, very solid opener. Kojima looked great. Uh, I'm looking forward to what they do next. 
the second match of the evening was Minoru Suzuki, El Desperado, and Tai Chi. <laughs> Don Callis' favorite wrestler, as he put it. And uh, that instantly made Don Callis the uh, heel of the century. Uh, and he faced Kenny Omega, Tama Tonga, and Chase Owens. Or they faced that. Omega, Tonga, and Owens. Uh, so this was Suzuki Goon versus the Bullet Club. A very, very solid start to the show here as well. As well, these early tags were very good. Um, this match was centered around Omega and Suzuki as they're going to be wrestling at the next show uh, when the B Block has their chance to shine in the main event and the match between that they're they were hinting here uh, looks to be a bit wild suzuki and omega started by brawling all over the arena uh and then suzuki's uh and omega started to choke each other and lots of dirty wrestling tactics there was a point when omega was choking suzuki and suzuki knows sold it which was terrifying and uh anyways these two exchange finisher attempts really tried to uh to just get one up on each other um but uh, neither could hit their own finisher on each other, and uh, it ended with Suzuki killing Chase Owens and pinning him with the Gotch pile driver. Uh, what a great match! That that match was a lot of fun, a very very fun tag match. And some people skip the opening tags because you know it's the opening tags, but in the G1 they tend to tell a pretty good story. So I recommend going back and listening to it if you got the chance. Uh, I really can't recommend it enough. Uh, the next match was <laughs> Jada, or uh, sorry, Evil and Hiromu Takahashi versus Sonata and Bushi. So it was Los Ingobernables de Hapan against Los Ingobernables de Hapan, and uh, Sonata offered his hand to shake things, and uh, Evil was like, "Hmm, I know this doesn't normally work, but." Uh, you know, he is my friend. Maybe I should trust him. Maybe. It might just work out this time. And so Evil sticks out his hand, and immediately regrets it as Sonata attacks him and goes for the skull end. Everyone attempted their finishers really quickly, and then a match broke down. A lot of great action between all these guys here. Uh, excuse me. A lot of great action between all these guys here. Um, losing my voice a little bit because uh, I'm tired and I've only slept four hours in the last day. So, uh, sorry about that. But uh, Evil gets the win by submitting Bushi uh, with a modified chicken wing. It was actually his first time using that as a finisher. It was a nice finish. I liked it. And uh, the match was a lot of fun. Uh, Takahashi was a low-key star in this match, but the focus was just on L.A.J. trying L.I.J. sorry, trying to uh, fight each other, and it was just a lot of fun to watch. The next match featured a Chaos versus Chaos tag match. Uh, Jado and Toru Yano defeated Ghetto and Kazuchika Okada or Kazuchika Okada depending on how you pronounce it. Um, this was great. 
for a variety of different reasons. There were a lot of comedic spots. Uh, Yano and Okada started things off, and Yano actually went for the Rainmaker, but uh, Okada dodged it and went for his own, and then, you know, Yamano, Yano dodged that, and then there was some uh, great comedy spots between Jado and Ghetto, uh, the long-time tag team across the ring from each other, and... Uh, Anyways, uh, Geta also extends his hand because, you know, they've been tag team partners for so long, and so Jado, you know, just reaches out. And then Ghetto turns on him and pokes him in the eyes as they try to out-cheat each other. It's quite funny. And uh, I almost think, you know, you, you, it would be hard for uh, Okada not to laugh at all the shenanigans in this match. Uh, but there, it was a ridiculous, ridiculous match. And uh, it ended when um, Toru Yano managed to uh, cause Okada to accidentally nail Ghetto with a uh, an elbow. And then he threw Ghetto into Okada, which caused them both to turn around and face away from Yano, and uh, as Jado distracted the referee, Yano low blow both of them and pinned Ghetto, and so that was pretty funny. Uh, and so I, you know what, uh, Toru Yano can beat Okada. He might he might beat Okada at the next show, which would be really funny because he's gonna cheat to win to do it if he does. And pretty much everyone he beats, he's gonna cheat to win. So uh, you know <laughs> that might be what they do. They might have him beat Okada, and Okada will just shake his head after being low blowed or hit with a chair or something like that uh, as his friend beats him down. Uh, if you watch the press conference. Yano, uh, during the press conference, was shilling his DVDs and all that kind of stuff and talking about fighting with honor. And Okada is just cracking up, he's losing it laughing uh, as uh, Yano says all these ridiculous things. Uh, so that was pretty great, too. So uh, that was a lot of fun. And those are just really the opening tags. So nothing too long with these matches. They weren't overly special, but they were a lot of fun and a nice little preview of what's to come. So at the next show, we're going to be, of course, seeing Yano versus Okada, uh, Evil versus Sonata, Suzuki versus Kenny Omega, and uh, Kojima versus Elgin. Is that that's four? One, two, three, four. Who is Juice Robinson facing on that one? Let me bring that up. I'm going to bring up my G1 uh, picks from Voices Wrestling. I know they had the full schedule there. And so I can give you the next show's matches, uh, just to be thorough, uh, let me see, let me see, let me see, okay, gonna load that up, okay, so, while that's loading, talking to the A block soon, I think the audio might have just skipped there as I load that, sorry about that, uh, okay, so the next show will have Minoru Suzuki versus Kenny Omega, Sonata versus Evil. Oh, it's Tamatanga. Okay, uh, Kazuchika Okada versus Toru Yano, Michael Elgin versus Tamatanga, Satoshi Kojima versus Juice Robinson. Uh, Tonga must have been which match was he in? Oh, he was in the uh, Bullet Club versus uh, um, uh, Suzuki Gun match. Okay. Yes. So, uh, yeah, uh, Tamatago will be going against uh, Michael Elgin. And 
uh, Kojima will be facing Juice. Okay, so that's going to be a good card. Uh, probably main evented by uh, Suzuki versus Okada, which is going to be great. And I can see the co-main event being Sonata versus Evil, or even uh, Kojima and Juice. But we'll see. It could be really any of the matches. Uh, but it's going to be a great show, I'm quite sure. Uh, so that's what was previewed in the opening tag matches, which is always fun. Uh, people like to skip them, but I don't for that very reason, because it always, always results in some fun things, and if Yano's in it, you know you're going to get some fun shenanigans, uh, and that's that's always great. So, next up, we had the A block, but before I do that, I'm going to take a little break to tell a story that I promised someone on Twitter I'd tell uh, about myself. So, I was having a discussion with, uh, I believe it's at 2Sweet underscore Megan. So, Megan on Twitter. You go give her a follow. She's a great wrestling Twitter account. And uh, I promised to tell the story about how I crashed and burned playing crash map baseball uh, as a kid in gym class. So, uh, to, to describe crash map baseball, or soccer baseball as it's known elsewhere, um, it's baseball, but just with a soccer ball, and instead of a baseball bat, you kick the ball. So, But everything else functions with the same rules of baseball. Uh, but when we played it too, we also had gi those gigantic blue gym mats. Uh, that you have to protect yourself if you fall from a fall uh, from a very high height. Yeah, uh, you probably know the ones I'm talking about. They're very, very big, very thick, very soft, very easy to land on. And I'm gonna set the picture for you so you can imagine what happened. This is a a story of me crashing and burning, and it's not my fault actually. Uh, it it was the fault of someone else I was playing the the game with in gym class when I was in high school. So uh, imagine you're standing at home plate and so right to your right you have the first big blue crash mat that's first base and that is pressed up against the stage in our gym and then straight ahead of you you have the second base which is uh, just uh, another of course big blue uh, crash mat but it's not really pressed up against anything it's probably about three quarters of the way up the gym and on your left, you have the third crash mat for third base, and uh, that on that side of the gym, you have a bunch of bleachers and that kind of stuff, but it's pulled away from the bleachers. So uh, I got up to uh, bat, and uh, so to speak, I guess, and I kicked the ball. And then I started running for first base. And now the person covering first base, um, well... Let's just say he was not the most mobile of people. Uh, he, he was a very tall dude, uh, in good shape, but kind of like a Frankenstein-type guy. Not not very athletic. Just, and I say this as his friend. Like I, I I'm a good friend with the guy. We, whenever I go home to visit, if uh, we run into each other, it's always great. But uh, he was not the most uh, elegant of people to play a game or sports and uh, to give an example uh, when I was in grade 8 so this is uh, years before that we were playing basketball in the old elementary school and uh, I was uh, uh, back at my end uh, of the court uh, with my team and I saw my friend Michael running at this guy uh, with the basketball and Michael jumps to go do a layup and uh, my other friend, Richard, here, sticks his leg up 
and trips Michael in midair. So he just, and given that he's quite tall, uh, it did not take much for him to get his leg up high enough. Michael was probably about three feet, three or four feet in the air with the jump, and uh, Richard stuck his leg up and hit Michael in the knees. Michael tripped over him, did a front flip, and crashed to the floor on the on the ground. It was hilarious, but also painful. Uh, and that's kind of how. Richard does that. Whenever people jump near him, well, he sticks his leg up. And now, as we played Crash Map Baseball uh, this time when I was in gym class, uh, they, like I said, the first base was pressed straight up against the stage, but as the game went on, it got pulled away from the stage a little bit, but maybe about a foot and a half. So not too far away, but far enough away that it could present problems if, if we didn't land properly. But there was really no risk of that. The mat was huge, so, you know, it's, what's the chance of that happening? And so I boot the ball, and I kick it, and it goes flying, and it lands, and so I start running full speed towards first base. And, again, my friend Richard was covering first base, and so I decide, well, I'm gonna, I gotta make first, so I'm gonna dive. I'm, I'm gonna jump right for this mat, full force, running full speed, and crash into the mat. I know I'm gonna be okay, because it's a soft mat. Well, uh, Richard pulled it again, stuck his leg up, and tripped me in mid-air. And I didn't do a full front flip, I don't, re I don't think, anyways, I don't remember it quite perfectly. Uh, but you'll uh, but yeah, anyways, you'll find out why in a second. Uh, and so I lost complete control of myself in midair because he tripped me in midair. And uh, all my momentum was carrying me forward, but I lost control of my body. And so I hit the mat full force and slide right across the mat and smash into the stage. Uh, banging my right knee and my head and my arm and everything right off the stage and then sliding down to the floor. And uh, amazingly, amazingly, it actually didn't hurt my head that badly. The worst part was my knee and ankle. Uh, I had a limp for a month afterwards, uh, but uh, no broken bones or anything. It was just... Oh, I, I crashed so hard, and in retrospect, I'm laughing because it is kind of funny to picture me flying through the air and going, "Oh crap!" And uh, that's really what happened there. But it was a, <laughs> it was quite a traumatic experience. So uh, it was fun though. The the I continued playing after that. I'm not sure how, even though I could, you know, barely walk. Uh, and but yeah, I was limping for quite a bit after that, uh, and that that was probably one of the worst crash and burns I've ever had. So if that story amuses you, uh, please go to Twitter and tweet your crash and burn stories to me, so I feel better after that. Oh <laughs> uh, man, uh, I I was a pretty okay athlete. I wasn't great or anything, uh, but. When I got hurt, I got hurt in such spectacular ways, in uh, dramatic ways even. <laughs> there was no halfway between me, although I've never broken a bone, which is kind of a miracle. Uh, but now with that story out of the way, as a little interlude between the, the, the opening tag matches and discussing the rest of the A block... Uh, we're going to go into discussing the first match between Nagata and Yoshihashi. 
that was a great match. The story here is that Yuji Nagata is having his last G1, and Yoshihashi is kind of a, a younger guy who's, you know, it's my time now, and he's a member of Chaos, and he wants to make an impact, uh, you know, to, to impress uh, Okada, his leader in Ghetto and all that. And so uh, Yoshihashi controlled it early, and the guys went back and forth a lot. Uh, the uh, ha- Yoshihashi had Nagata in a full Nelson-type submission at one point, which was... Uh, it sounds way, way better uh, than it was. Uh, or, uh, no, no, uh, sorry. It's way better than it sounds. Um, and Nagata spent so much time refusing to tap out, and he he just works and works and works and so Yoshihashi has this butterfly lock on him but Nagata just slowly crawls his way to the ropes getting to the point where the fans are begging begging for Nagata to make the ropes and he won the whole crowd over with that and uh and Nagata got to the ropes crowd explodes and somehow Nagata manages to lock in his armbar on Yoshihashi and I was begging for Yoshihashi to tap here. I wanted Nagata to win. They told the story of the match so well that they got me to really cheer for Nagata. And that's how they booked the match. They wanted it to go that way. And uh, Yoshihashi was in in this armbar forever. And he also made the ropes. And then uh, they he hit a bunch. Uh, Nagata hit a bunch of suplexes, uh, but. Uh, uh, Yoshihashi eventually countered into a small package, and then uh, Yuji Nagata, or sorry, Yoshihashi went for his finisher, Karma, uh, but Nagata avoided it, and uh, then Yoshihashi manages to finally hit it and get the 1-2-3. So Yoshihashi got the win over Yuji Nagata, and I was 0-for-1 in my picks in the New Japan uh Voices of Wrestling G1 Pick'em Contest, and uh, I, really when it comes to that contest, I originally picked Omega winning the whole thing, but my mind has changed on who's going to win multiple times. Uh, As of right now, my pick is actually Okada winning the whole thing, and then calling out Omega, but they could have Naito win, or even Michael Elgin, or something like that. They can do something uh, out of the ordinary as well. Who knows, they could have Ishii win, uh, but we'll talk about his match in a little bit. Uh, next up was Bad Luck Fale versus Togi Maccabee. Uh, this was an okay match. Uh, Maccabee is relatively immobile. You wouldn't think that Nagata is so much older than him than he is. I mean, <laughs> Maccabee is still good. He's not He's not a horrible wrestler like at all. I, I'm, this is not a knock on him. But I am sad that this is Nagata's la- last G1 when he is a far, far better worker than Maccabee is uh, right now. That's not that Maccabee has bad matches or anything. It's just that he's not Nagata level. And Nagata is just better. <laughs> uh, but the match here with Fale wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. It was just kind of there. It was it was all right. It was a pretty good match for what you would get from these two guys, uh, considering Fale is rather immobile too, but that's more just because of his size than anything else. Uh, but, uh, you know, I uh, predicted Makabe would win this match, so of course I was wrong. And uh, bad luck, Fale won with his, uh, with his grenade finish for the win, and uh, it was good. Uh, like I said, not a bad match. Uh, but not nearly, not even close to being the best match on the card. It, uh, you know, if I had to give it a star rating, maybe two and three quarters, maybe three. Uh, as for Nagata and 
Yoshihashi, I give that three and three quarters, maybe four stars. It was very good. Very, very good. Uh, the next match was Hiroki Goto representing Chaos versus Tomohiro Ishii representing Chaos. So we're, we're getting a lot of Chaos versus Chaos matches here. Uh, this was awesome. This was so great. Uh, a very, very hard-hitting match. Extremely, extremely hard-hitting match. Um, not one for the faint of heart. Uh, there was what looked to be some unprotected headbutts in this match, which I'm not really a fan of, since that pretty much ended Shibata's career. I'm, I'm not a fan of any unprotected uh, headshots in wrestling, period. But I will say this. Um, it seems that the headbutts were, generally speaking, uh, kind of safe. Like, when Goto threw his, I'm pretty sure he didn't actually truly connect with Ishii, and uh, when Ishii threw his, I'm pretty sure he only connected with the upper chest, not the head, and uh, if anything, and he may not have even connected at all, it just looked good, so it's hard to say, I'm, I'm just hoping they weren't shoot headbutts, because that's a terrible idea, uh, and really, it's not going to hurt to just to put your hands up, you know, I, I, I don't care if you put your hands up and blah, just be safe, work safe, um, but... Ishii and Goto did have an absolutely phenomenal match. Uh, this was the match that I only... The only match I picked correctly uh, for the winner. And I picked uh, Goto to win this one. I thought they were going to start him off strong since he made the finals last year. And it turns out I was right on this one. Uh, so it was very fierce, very back and forth. They clotheslined the crap out of each other and both fell over. Just a war in the ring. Awesome, awesome match. And uh, Goto finally won after hitting a GTR and got the pin on uh, Ishii. And easily just as good as their matches that they've had before. Uh, this was just so hard-hitting. Um, if you watch it, uh, it's a very, very good. You won't be disappointed. It's a, But if you're squeamish, uh, well, they do hit each other hard. Uh, not most For the most part, not in the head. Uh, and mo for the most part, they were actually very safe. But I'm not sure about those headbutts. Maybe someone can chime in and tell me whether or not those were re really shoot headbutts. They looked really solid. Um, but it could just been it just could have been they were working me well. Uh, I know uh, Ishii did shoot headbutts with Shibata, and those were disgusting. And uh, I I don't need to see those. The, that's quite horrible. But the match itself was still very good. I give it probably probably four and a quarter, maybe four and a half stars. Very very good. Uh, and next up was a match that was dramatically different from the previous one. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. And this was uh, a very, 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 very great match. Uh, very technical. And that's kind of what you should expect from Zack Sabre Jr. right now. He works differently than most other guys. And really, I'm going to take this to to make a mild criticism of WWE. Part of the reason why this show came across as so great was that every match seemed different from the previous one. 
when you watch WWE, uh, every match kind of has the same formula, and there's nothing really wrong with that. I mean, WWE still puts on a lot of great matches, but you're not going to get anything that's really that different, especially when you get to the main event. All the main event matches are kind of work the same style, unless it's Brock Lesnar working, and even then, sometimes it's the same style. But WWE's style of wrestling tends to be putting everyone into the same type of... Uh, you know, restrictions and saying, you have to work your match this way. This is how we do it. And so this is where WWE style has come from. Uh, you know, th th you don't see many luchadors doing luchador or a lucha type match. They do a WWE style high flying match uh, or a WWE style match with some high flying. You don't see a technical wrestler do a technical wrestling match. You see him incorporate a few technical moves into a WWE style match. Uh, in the, I mean, a brawling, same thing. A hardcore match, same thing. So really, every match in WWE comes across looking pretty much the same uh, in a lot of ways. And just different moves, but same type of structure and all that kind of stuff. But when you watch New Japan, you see dramatically different matches in different styles of wrestling. Not just... There isn't, like, a set-defined New Japan style. Not really. Uh, I mean, they say they're King of Strong style, and so I suppose that would be an Ishii-Goto-type match, or even a Nakamura-style match. Although, well, they call him the King of Strong style, although his strong style is very different from the old school. But uh, you watch Ishii and Goto, and you see this wild brawl where they're just smashing each other. And then you see Nagata and, uh, and uh, oh, uh, Yoshihashi, and that match was very different from what you got with uh, Sabre, or with Saber and Tanahashi. And it was different from what you got with Goto and, uh, or not Goto, um, Fale, Fale and Maccabi. So, you know, all three of those G1 matches were very, very different from each other. You can watch them, and all of them were memorable in different ways. And that's part of why WWE's matches uh, today, especially in the modern day, I can't remember how many times I've seen certain matches because really, with a few exceptions, none of them are really that memorable. I mean, AJ Cena was memorable, uh, Lesnar, Rollins, uh, and Cena was memorable. Uh, Cesaro and Cena, well, I'm saying Cena a lot here because he's had some outstanding matches the last few years. Uh, but there were others, too, that were quite memorable. Um, I mean, and NXT does a better job allowing people to have a few more different styles, but they still try to box people into this WWE style. So we come to Zack Sabre Jr. versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, and this match was so great, uh, if you're a technical wrestling fan especially. Watch how Zack Sabre Jr. worked in this match. And Tanahashi sold for him so, so well. Uh, and I, again, this is another match I picked wrong. The only one I picked right was uh, Goto beating Ishii. Uh, but Tanahashi and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, tore the house down here in terms of technical wrestling. They went back and forth, and uh, it started with Sabre working over Tanahashi's knee rather than the injured bicep. Uh, which is a legitimate injury, by the way, if you didn't know that. Hiroshi Tanahashi did have a legitimate bicep tear, and because of that, they're going to play into it in the matches, of course. Just like last year when he had a, a shoulder injury, a legitimate shoulder injury, and they played into it in his matches there. 
and so Saber eventually starts working over the arm and uh, and really, really tries to just take down Tanahashi that way. Uh, Tanahashi eventually manages to hit the high fly flow, and then he goes for a second high fly flow, but Saber blocks it and then latches on for an armbar type submission, or uh, actually um, an omoplata, really, and he reaches over and grabs his left arm and pulls it back for a kind of armbar type submission while holding the omoplata. It was sick. Uh, like it, it looked like he was breaking his arm and everything. Uh, my only criticism to this point of the match was an inter- interference from Desperado, but that's really a Suzuki-Goon thing, uh, and that's what they do. Uh, it was annoying. It wasn't really necessary for the match. I don't really hate it, but it wasn't necessary for the match. There was a brief interference in that regard with uh, Desperado getting on the apron. But uh, anyways, as as Saber starts to crank on the arm, he takes off the compressor on uh, Tanahashi's left arm that kind of helps hold his arm in place to help it heal. And then he takes off the bandaging around the bicep and locks the submission on further, and Tanahashi has to finally submit. The limb work and submission work was so great from Saber here, and uh, this was, I guess, his first real major win in New Japan because he beat the Ace, he beat Tanahashi, the Intercontinental Champion. So I guess that means we're going to be getting an Intercontinental Title match between Zack Saber Jr. and Hiroshi Tanahashi down the line, and I am 100% for that. I think that's going to be great, and I can't really wait to see it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and then we had our main event. Holy cow, this main event. Tetsuya Naito of Los Angobernables de Japan versus Kota Abushi. And uh, wow. Just wow. Uh, the match starts slow. Uh, Naito spits on Abushi and taunts him a lot. And uh, Naito goes for a dropkick to the knee, but Abushi jumps up into the air and hits a double stomp right into Naito's chest. It, it, like, just awesome. It, words cannot describe it. You need to see it. Uh, and Abushi stays in control for a little while, but uh, then Naito hits a neckbreaker on the apron and uh, starts to hit, uh, work over the neck of Abushi for a while. Uh, on the outside, Abushi eventually hits his uh, golden triangle moonsault, the triangle moonsault to the floor. So great. So, so great. Uh, Naito... And him exchange counterholds and uh, dragon suplexes and all this kind of stuff. Like, just crazy, crazy. Uh, Naito managed to hit a reverse Rana from the top rope. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe what Abushi was doing. This guy had a broken neck like two or three years ago, and he's taking all these crazy bumps. I don't recommend that, but man, this match was great. Then. Uh, um, Naita goes for a Destino, but Abushi grabs him and lawn darts him right into the ring, uh, the uh, turnbuckle. It's just, I was like, my reaction was, ah! Because that was just incredible. Uh, you know, like, that had to suck. <laughs> that had to suck. Uh, just an incredible bump taken by Naito there. Uh, and then he puts him on the apron and hits a deadlift German suplex, dropping Naito right on his head. And uh, Naito somehow kicks out. Uh, Abushi goes for a his um, powerbomb, the Golden Star powerbomb. But Naito escapes, hits a Tornado DDT. Uh, then he goes for the top rope, but Abushi slides underneath and hits a Pele kick. And then pile drives Naito off the second rope. 
Like, I couldn't believe it when I saw that. That was insane. Pile dried him off the second rope. Just ridiculous. And then uh, Abushi uh, captures both of Naito's arms, but Naito fights back. And, you know, they go back to the ring post. Naito hits a capo kick. Uh, Abushi blocks a Destino. Then, uh, let's see, Abushi fires back with some strikes. Naito grabs the arm and hits a Destino, but Abushi kicks out. Naito responds uh, with a second, and Abushi lands right on his head, uh, just taking a ridiculously awesome bump for Destino, and Naito pins him and finally gets the win. What a match. What a ridiculous match. And this had a ton of crazy spots, even by Abushi's standards. Uh, a great, great show, and then Naito cut a promo after the show. Uh, and overall, the whole show was great. Uh, the final three matches were awesome, uh, with uh, Naito and Ibushi, Saber and Junior, uh, Saber Junior and Tanahashi and Goto and Ishii, and uh, Nagata and Yoshihashi was really good too. So all four of those G1 matches were great. The weakest match in the card was of course Makabe Fale, but even that was pretty good. All the tag, oh, sorry, excuse me, uh, all the tag yawned there. All the tag matches were fun, uh, so that was really, really great. Uh, I'm yawning because, uh, again, I only slept for four hours. I was up all night. I'm probably going to do another all-nighter for the Thursday show, for the first B-Block show, but these aren't going to happen for every show. That would kill me uh, doing that, And but I think I'll do it for the B-Block show. And then after that, I'll pick and choose. I might do one or two all -night more all-nighters here and there, especially for the finals. But uh, other than that, I think I'll you know, take it easy and just watch them a little bit later in the day. But man, what a show. If, if you have never watched New Japan Pro Wrestling before, find a way to watch Tetsuya Naito versus Kota Ibushi. Go to New Japan World. I'm thinking they might put that match up for free soon, or at least, and they might put up the whole card. It streamed for free last night. I don't know if the replay is free. But if you've never watched New Japan before, go and watch that show. It was so great. That would make you a fan of New Japan. I'm convinced. And so before I go, we're going to run down the B-Block matches again. Minoru Suzuki versus Kenny Omega. Sonata versus Evil. Kazuchika Okada versus Toru Yano. Michael Elgin versus Tamatanga, Satoshi Kojima versus Juice Robinson. It's going to be a great, great show. Uh, I expect Suzuki and Omega to steal the show. Uh, Elgin and Tamatanga is going to be very good too. Sonata and Evil is going to be good, and Kojima and Robinson should be great. Okada and Yano should be a lot of fun. I don't expect a super high quality match. And then the next A Block show, which will be on the 18th of July. So this will be the first B Block show will be on the 7th. Uh, the 20th, sorry, uh, 18th, what am I thinking? Uh, and then the next A-Block show will be on the 21st. So first B-Block show is on the 20th, and it will have those matches I just mentioned, especially Suzuki and Omega, That watch for that one. And then on the 21st, we're going to be getting the next A-Block show, which will feature Tetsuya Naito versus Yoshihashi, Kota Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr., Yuji Nagata versus Hiroki Goto. Oh, man, that's going to be good. Uh, Togi Makabe versus... Tomohiro Ishii, that should be pretty good. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Bad Luck Fale. Because Tanahashi's in it, that'll be good. Um, 
the picks I made for the B Block show on the 20th, I picked Kenny Omega beating Minoru Suzuki, but I can see that going the other way. I picked Sonata over Evil, Okada over Yano, although I can see Yano winning by cheating. I picked Elgin over Tama Tonga, and I picked Kojima over Juice Robinson. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I could be wrong on all five of them. The great thing about the G1 is I'm often wrong in my predictions, but I'm not sad about it because it's usually a lot of fun. Uh, and once I see what they were doing in retrospect, I think, oh, well, that choice actually made more sense. Uh, and we'll be, I'll talk more, I give my predictions for the next A Block show once the next B Block show is over. Uh, so anyways, I hope you enjoyed this recap. Somewhere down the line, I'm going to see if I can get a few guests on to talk to G1 with me as well. Uh, but I'll I'll have to work that out with a few people. Uh, I know uh, tentatively I have a G1 recap ske- uh, show scheduled with at AJ Omega Mark David uh, in August sometime. And that's going to be fun where we'll be talking what our favorite matches were and all that kind of stuff. And uh, right on that list right away is going to be, of course, of course... Of course, uh, Tetsuya Naito versus Kota Ibushi. Uh, to give a little bit of fan feedback on the show, uh, I got uh, a tweet from Jacob Grandi at, talking about what he liked about the show. And uh, let me see if I can find the tweet here. Just got to scroll down a little bit. Uh, he said he loved the show. He thought Goto and Ishii was the match of the night. Ibushi and Naito delivered, and uh, the Zack Sabre Jr. beating Tanahashi in a surprise win was great. Great thoughts. Uh, I personally liked uh, Abushi and Naito more than Goto and Ishii, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault you for liking that one more. That match was awesome. And as for my star rating for uh, Abushi and Naito, I have to give it five uh, five stars. That was a great match, start to finish. So I hope you enjoyed this review and my thoughts on this and uh, if you want to hear more and read more of my reviews you can go to wrestlingreviewcentral.com where you'll find links to all my social media and uh, you'll see links to the podcast uh, on SoundCloud iTunes and Google Play I may be getting it on Stitcher at some point as well but we'll have to see and you'll also see uh, reviews of old WCW uh, Saturday nights and Raws and occasional pay-per-view reviews and all that good stuff. And I have an article up at Voices of Wrestling on Jushin Thunder Liger that I wrote during the Best of the Super Juniors. Go check that out. Go to VoicesOfWrestling.com and check out one of the articles I wrote there. Uh, if you are into gaming, into gaming, you can follow me on Twitch. Uh, at WR Central underscore Central WR underscore Central on Twitch Twitch.tv WR underscore Central. I'll put a link in the uh, in the description here for you, and uh, we also have a YouTube channel Wrestling Review Central. So kind of the same thing everywhere, uh, but follow me also on Twitter at Wrestling Review Central, and that's Josiah here signing out for Wrestling Review Central, and we'll talk to you again after a while. 